0: The following podcast is brought to you by Crosswinds Golf and Country Club in beautiful Burlington. For the 13th year in a row, Crosswinds has been voted Burlington's best golf course, and it's easy to see why. From the moment you drive through the gates, you're treated like a member of the family. Even though it's a public golf course, it has the feel of a private club. The clubhouse is gorgeous, the food is sumptuous, the course is in spectacular condition. Whether it's a wedding, a banquet, a tournament, or just a fun round of golf with your friends, crosswinds is the place to be book your tee time online by visiting crosswindsgolf.com it's just 45 minutes from downtown toronto and when you get there tell them hebsey sent you now let's start the podcast hit that button pretty hard didn't you <laughs> welcome to hebsey on sports episode number ken dryden rod carew jesse barfield joe carter eric dickerson And Mike Palmatier. I'm your host, Mark Hepscher. Today on the show, what do these people have in common? Nick Kiprios, Doug McLean, John Shannon, Bob McCowan, Bob Cole, Jerry Howard, Barry Davis, Darren Millard, Paul Romanuk, Glenn Healy, George Strombolopoulos, Scott Morrison, James Sharman, Craig Forrest. You get my drift here, folks? Gone! And countless behind-the-scenes people? Gone! They all worked for that giant telecom company that overpaid just so they could brag that they were better than TSN. I worked there once. Do you want to hear about the time that I begged Nick Kiprios to stay at Sportsnet, even though we both knew that our boss wanted to fire Nick's ass? Yes. I'm going to tell you that story later. We'll talk about the shocking retirement announcement by Colts quarterback Andrew Luck. We'll check out the latest from the U.S. Open. Canadians still alive. They're alive! We'll try to figure out why Ken Jennings, the Jeopardy geek, <laughs> is so anti-Canadian. Like, never before in the history of Jeopardy has a contestant been so vile <clears throat> towards a particular group of people. What is it with that show? Plus, the Blue Jays of 2021 are looking pretty good these days, even though it's 2019. And the current team, not so much. And on Hockey Confidential, brought to you by Titan Blades, the latest on the Mitch Marner situation. I know you want to hear that. <sighs> But first, back from vacation is Toronto Mike. As uh, we went over a week without doing a podcast, and I, I had um, some serious withdrawal. I'm like, oh, it's time. Oh no, Mike's away, Has and you- I realized I can't do the podcast without you. I uh, I
1: had a great time uh, out in Vancouver and and Whistler and Victoria and
0: White Rock, where there's, there's Larry litter- Walker. It's from White Rock, BC, isn't it? Is it? No, Maple Ridge. Oh, Maple Ridge. I get those two mixed up. But there's literally a big <laughs> white rock on the beach in
1: White Rock. I saw you. took pictures of it. <laughs>
0: yeah. Very cool. I you're was glad great. to be back, right?
1: I'm very happy to be back, and I'm very excited. There's a lot of things I need to know Hebsey's take, so... I unplugged for a week, didn't follow any sports. I only heard about the Andrew Luck thing. That's all I heard about. Isn't it great
0: to go off the grid like that?
1: It is great. And then you're coming back and these things are happening, especially with, you know, Kiprios and stuff. And all I'm thinking is I need to hear Hebsey's take on these things.
0: You talked to to Don Cherry recently, did you not?
1: He phoned me up (laughs) and we had a very brief uh, and pleasant
0: conversation. Thanks to you, of course. Is Don going to be with Sportsnet this year? Yes. That's a for sure that's a for sure. He's because the season a, doesn't start for a while and they're dropping like flies there.
1: For sure. And I'm sure uh, that people
0: that work there are just looking over their shoulders and like, uh-oh, you know, email from the boss. Oh, God, no. <laughs> I mean, I feel really bad because we're talking about some really talented people, including the announcement by Nick Kiprios on Twitter, right, where he just basically prepared a statement. Right. And said, here's my statement.
1: Well, he took the <clears> high road. <clears throat> As David Schultz said, uh, he was taking the high road. That's a very, uh, cl- like, a, he didn't, you know, it's a very safe and nice. Uh, you know, that whole uh, mutual agreement thing is when you're you're taking the high road. Like you're not gonna throw your former employers under any buses or you know cast any stones. You're just gonna oh. say that we've mutually decided to part ways. And I enjoyed my experience
0: and thank you. Yeah. Um, so he. <laughs> That's not how you'd go out. Uh, I'd go out fighting. I would just be kicking and screaming. I want to hear your press release after your yeah, <laughs> no um no okay yeah you're right I mean it's you could get fired by someone and say you know these pricks are you know a bunch of assholes and you know they caught me off guard or whatever the case
1: well you don't was. have to do the whole mutual decision <laughs> thing like uh, it's probably I mean it's safe to say I'm not Nick Kiprios you know him better than I do
0: we'll talk about that but it probably wasn't a mutual decision oh, of course it wasn't anyone that tells you that they're leaving of their own volition unless they're going right to another job <clears throat> is lying they, no one wants to leave a job like that. Nobody. Nobody says, yeah, you, I mean, you've talked to enough broadcasters before. Right. Gordon Martineau didn't want to go. No. <clears throat> Peter Gross didn't want to go. You know, Kevin Frank <clears throat> didn't want to go. go. Right. So anyone that tells you that, oh, it was a mutual thing, it, it basically means, look, we're, the company's saying, look, we're going to give you the opportunity to bow out, you know, word it how you want. And then you make your statement, and then the company, like Sportsnet said, we enjoyed working with Nick for many years. Anyway, what happened was, Kipper had been there for 20 years and really was, you know, one of the most improved broadcast. I mean, the guy started, he couldn't put three words together. I and mean, believe me, I know, because when they first hired him, he didn't. But he really persevered and he worked very hard and uh, ended up being a, a really good broadcaster, a go to broadcaster. So he, he goes on Twitter the other day and he releases a statement basically saying, you know, we've decided to part ways. I'm looking forward to the next adventure in my career, et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, very much the high road. And immediately people are, um, are posting eulogies. Mm-hmm. You notice this, right? Like he's passed away. Like he's died, exactly right. <laughs> now in the broadcast business, if someone is old or ill, <clears throat> you immediately have some researchers and writers put together the eulogy so that when that person does pass away, it's all prepared. The video the obituary. is prepared. <clears throat> right. The video is prepared. The script is prepared, right? When Harold Ballard was dying in the uh, late 1980s, you know, it was getting, really getting on, you know, someone, at you know, and they do this at the newspapers and at TV stations. You know, there's a, let's get the Ballard obit prepared for when the time comes. Now, it could sit on the shelf for years, but the point, point is nobody was writing obits for Nick Kiprios or Doug McLean, or John Shannon, or Bob McCarthy, or Bob McCarthy, there might be one for Don Cherry <clears throat> that's, that has been written and put together for years now. Like, you know, for when the time that Don leaves, whether he returns, like the Bob Cole one.
1: Right.
0: You know, it's been prepared. We know the day is going to come. He's not going to be with the network anymore. We want to have a great video tribute. We want to have all that. But there was nothing written for Kipper. <clears throat> There's nobody, hey, by the way, write the Kiprios obit and the eulogy because he's going to be gone. Total surprise. And and people are now you know he was great and he was and it's true, but he's not dead <clears throat> and it's probably good that he got out when he did because we know what happened here. Kiprios is one of many who got caught up in the cost-cutting madness that Rogers has become famous for, and the way things have been going at Canada's second sports network suggests that nobody's job there is safe, and that includes Don Cherry. They might have said to him, Don, this is it. Here's your last year. How do you want to go out? You want to go out like Bob Cole? What do you want to do? Want to go out fighting? So. Do you think Bob? Not Bob. Do you
1: think Don Cherry knows this is his swan song, as they say, the final
0: lap? I don't know, but the final lap. But he's got to know. I mean, unless he's got a contract signed till he's ninety years of age, he's got to know that the day is going to come, and it never ends well. Mike, I've said this before. It never ends well. The only way it could end well is for Don Cherry to say, "That's it for me." What about
1: Jerry Howard? <clears throat> do you have any insight? And in, did that end well? I mean, it sounds no. like he, d- he decided to no, leave. No, I, I
0: don't think so. I think they could have said, Jerry, we're going to put you on a reduced schedule. Or Jerry, you know, I mean, do, it, do the way you did with the, you know, with broadcasters as they're getting on in years. And the Bob Cole's a great example. Cut back the workload. <clears throat> He's still a high-profile guy. But maybe you can't do 162 games. Maybe you do just the home games or a selected number of road games. They did that with all the great announcers. So I don't think it ends. I don't think Jerry wanted to leave. I don't think Jerry wanted to not do any more Blue Jay games. I thought he, uh, you know. But I I guess it's difficult when you're used to being the number one guy to, to be told, you know, you're getting on in years or your health isn't as good as it used to be and we're worried about that and we don't want anything to happen. So... I don't think he wanted to go. And all those other names that I mentioned, who did I mention here? How did I mention? Well, just
1: in that one day. So the Kiprios (coughs) news came out and then later that same day, we learned about uh, McLean. McLean, And then uh, Shannon, Shannon. Yeah. Steve Simmons tweeted that Shannon was gone too. So it was the three in one day, like three pretty high profile sports net personalities in one day. Kiprios being the biggest, I'd say, but, uh, but once, once we learned that Bob McCowan was done on a Friday, like we literally yeah. learned, okay, Friday's his last day. I feel like if that can happen, nobody's safe. Like there is no, I don't think there's any untouchables at Sportsnet if McCowan could be just gone on a Friday. Mm. Right. Like, so I don't think, I think these, these guys like Shannon, who wasn't, you know, university beloved, I think it would be far more shocking if we learned, for example, Friedman was gone. Like yeah. I think that would be far more shocking. Yeah.
0: I think what's happened here, too, is and if you let's go over this list again, Kiprios, McLean, Shannon, McCowan, Bob Cole, Jerry Howarth, Barry Davis, Darren Millard, Paul Romanoff, Glenn Healy, Strombolopoulos, Scott Morrison, James Sharman and Craig Forrest because they lost soccer. Right. Uh, Elliot Price. That's radio. Dean Blundell, your buddy. I mean, think of all these all guys. What do they all have in common? Old white guys.
1: Well, high salary. <clears throat> Old white guys. Is there a difference though? Old white guys is high salaries. Is I, feel. Yeah, I feel. Yeah, I feel like white they're, guy, uh, every, old white, every
0: old white guy has a high salary.
1: And, mm. and no, but every high salary is an old white guy. <laughs> <coughs> like it goes the other way. Like, is there any high salaries that aren't old white guys?
0: I don't know. You're right. I mean, but anybody that's on air has a pretty high salary, <clears throat> right?
1: Well, no, not necessarily. Really? No, no.
0: Interesting. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right. If you say so. But I mean, I'm just sort of looking by saying, listen. I mean, if if Sportsnet really wanted to make a splash, they would find a female of color, kill two birds with one stone, a disabled, a female of color with a disability would be the ideal because that covers all the bases. That's like, not an old white guy, not a guy, not a white person. Got it? And that and that and uh, that's the way things are going now. That is the way things are going at places like Rogers where... All that money that was spent—that five point two billion dollars that was spent. On and remember that was just for the rights. Think of all the people they hired and the amount of money that they threw at these people, right?
1: And the sets and everything, right? They yeah. built that
0: that <laughs> Superman set
1: or whatever that was ridiculous from the get go. But you're right; they threw they yeah. threw a lot. They basically got a big
0: five point two million dollar bill billion dollar. Sorry, did I say million? Billion dollar. 5.2 billion, $5.2 billion, billion with I mean, the B, that's unfathomable, right? For a Canadian television rights for 12 right. years.
1: But then they th- put a big budget behind it. Like yeah. they, they You're right. They ramped up. They hired big, expensive
0: I think they overpaid. I mean, if, I'm pretty sure they overpaid as far as the market went. I mean, Scott Moore overpaid. Overpaid for the rights. Overpaid for talent. Well, the three gentlemen then, who...
1: Book this deal. This is all in the Dave Schultz. They're book. gone. They're hockey. all gone. They're all three <clears throat> gone. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Scott Moore got out before he had to tell all of his friends that he was firing them. Left that to someone else. He was on your show, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, he he's definitely he's yeah. working with
0: Drake now. Yeah. Good for him.
1: <laughs> um,
0: so let's talk about Kiprios because that's a big surprise. I mean, the McCowan one was a big surprise, <clears throat> right? But the Kiprios one was like, if you were to say, I mean, whose job seemed to be safe on the Sportsnet hockey? central crew i would say i would say kiprios and elliot friedman were the two guys that were you know pretty much the untouchables they were good guys uh you know uh, great contacts uh go-to guys um solid reputation great sources and as you said kiprios was there since day one right he's because well, that's yeah, only that's the same lifer. age as uh <laughs> same age as sportsnet right late, Correct. late 90s uh, that's correct. When's Nin- your era at Sportsnet? I started just after Nick. I started in, uh, early 2000, late 1999. Yeah. Late 1999. So I was there. It, it wasn't even a year old <clears throat> and it was right. owned, it was owned by CTV at the time too, <clears throat> but it was in the same building, basically the same complex as uh, TSN. It was weird. It was really weird. Right. Because like, I'm in the makeup room and there's, there's Rick Router. There's John Wells. There's Jim Van Horn. The same, the same cafeteria we ch- we shared because Channel Nine CFTO, which is the CTV flagship station, right? I mean that was like the Channel Nine cafe there, and Sportsnet had a building that was, a, it was a, a building you could get to via, you could go outside to the next building, or you, there was like a ramp, like a walkway between the Sportsnet building, where the big studio was, where you'd see that wide shot of all the uh, all the uh, monitors in the background. It was in the same. It's the same company. so you basically <clears throat> crossed the uh, parking yeah. lot. Yeah, and of course channel right. i mean c t v could not own sportsnet and t s n so when the Bell media thing came along, they had to divest themselves of sportsnet, and Rogers came along it was almost like that. Well, let's talk about Kiprios though. <clears throat> we first met him back in the nineteen eighties when he was better known as Peter Zezel's cousin, oh okay <laughs> uh Nick's dad and his uncle owned a steakhouse called Peter's Fine Dining in Mark. Wait,
1: wait, I don't Kiprios and Zezel were are cousins were are cousins, yeah,
0: wow, yeah.
1: I don't, think, uh, I don't think I knew that. Yeah, That's a yeah. fun fact. Now,
0: again, me. I don't know to what degree, third cousins on the mother's side, whatever it was, but they were, they were really tight. So th- they were actual either blood cousins or they were like cousins. Okay, okay. I, I'm not sure which one it is. Um, but anyway, um, the, um, uh, Kipper's father and uncle owned the steakhouse called Peter's Fine Dining in Markham. Great spot, really good. <clears throat> Kipper was a great goal scorer for the North Bay Centennials, never drafted, had 62 goals one year in junior, never drafted. Not Like nothing. Nothing. Signed as a free agent for, with uh, the Flyers, never played for them, played for the Hershey Bears of the American Hockey League, went to the Washington Capitals for a few years, ended up in Hartford with the Whalers, and had a fantastic season in 1992-93 while Doug Gilmore was leading the Leafs to a Final Four. He had 17 goals in 75 games as his kipper, and fought anybody and everybody who dared look sideways at scorers on that team like Jeff Sanderson, Andrew Castles, Murray Craven, Pat Verbeek, Czarli Zalapski. In fact, the penalty minute leaders from 1992-93. Listen to this. Okay. Marty McSorley, number one, 399 minutes in penalties because uh-huh. he had to protect Gretzky. Right. That year, right? They went to the final. The Kings went to the final that year. Remember McSorley fighting Wendell Clark? Of course. 399. He was the leader. Second was Gino Ogic from Vancouver, had 370 minutes in penalties. Oh, wow. Third was Ty Domi, who played for the Rangers and was traded to Winnipeg. Right. <clears throat> right? Uh, 344, and fourth was Nick Kiprios of Hartford. So he had 325 penalty minutes, 17 goals in 75 games, all uh, even-strength goals. He was a force on that team. Now, Kiprios had more penalty minutes than Mike Paluzzo, Warren Reichel, Brian Marchment, Bob Probert, Shane Churla, Alan May, Chris Chelios, Jeff Odgers, Rick Tockett, Ulf Samuelson, Brad May, Ryan McGill, Mark Jansens, Ken Danico, Doug Smolik, and Gord Donnelly. And all those guys had well over 200 minutes in penalties, over 200. Right? You had you had seven guys with over 300 minutes in penalties. So this guy, this guy was a fighter, right? If you want to call, I mean, a fighter, and, and he could score too. I mean, he had some hands. But you think of Nick Kiprios as a fighter, and you think of the unfortunate incident that ended his playing career at the age of 31. Where he got knocked out, knocked cold by Ryan Vandenbush of the Rangers in a preseason game. He was playing for the Leafs at the time. Right. That was in the 1997 preseason. And that was it. He had to announce his retirement.
1: The best thing. But for if his- you remember with the, uh, yeah. with the
0: Leafs, he was yeah. famous for one thing. He injured Grant Fuhrer in the playoffs against St. Louis. Right. He ch- kind of tripped over him and he said, Oh, no, I was, uh, was uh, cross checked. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he was cross checked and then he fell. Wait, you do you know, mean the- Curtis Joseph? No, no. Grant, oh, Grant it was Grant
1: Fear? Yeah. For the, where, Whose my, story is this? Mine or yours? Oh, it's your story. It's
0: no, Grant Fear was playing goal for the uh for the Blues. Okay. He was a St. Louis goalie at that time. Right. 1996-97 playoffs. The coach was Nick Beverly. You don't remember that team, do you?
1: I, I do have um, some have memories. Vague of memories of, this. of that team. I, I also, yeah. Anyway, Kipper F-
0: he finished with uh he finished with the Leafs and that during that playoff season, which the Leafs lost to uh the Blues who had a guy named Gretzky on that team too. Gretzky was on the blues that year. And so was Grant Fear. Uh, and then Coco's season was over. Coco, that, by the way, that's Grant Fear's nickname. I'm not, it's not a racist term by me. That's what they called him for years, Coco. So try not to worry about that. Um, so his career was over. And that's kind of what Nick was famous for, was that, you know, oh, you injured their goalie. Um, you know, and uh, the way that felt. But anyway, so he's retired at the age of 31. He knew nothing about broadcasting and joined Sportsnet as a raw, unpolished commentator. Sportsnet had just begun. Remember people going, can another sports network, another sports network? This was in the late nineties, right? Sportsnet was owned by CTV at the time. And I came along soon after Nick to anchor the early evening sports cast at the mm-hmm. network. I was working in radio. I was doing leaf play-by-play uh, color with Joe Bowen. I was doing Argos play-by-play and I got offered a job to, uh, oh no, sorry. No. Then I went to headline sports. <clears throat> and then from there I was hired by Scott Moore to host the early evening Sportsnet. Whatever they called it, it wasn't called Sportsnet Central at the time. It was something else. Right. I forget. It was a six o'clock one. Six o'clock, six thirty, seven. I had to do a. I had to do a six o'clock one for Eastern Canada, a six thirty one for Ontario, an eight thirty one for the West, which was you know the uh, the the prairies and Edmonton and Calgary, and then a Pacific one at nine thirty okay. Eastern time for the for the West Coast. It was ugh, it was a lot of work, <laughs> but anyway. So this is a story with Nick. Uh, and I, I I gotta preface this by saying that I, I Nick and I got along really well. I met him through Peter Zezel. him and Rick Tockett were good buddies. I spent a lot of time, quality time with Nick, you know, off the ice. We were very friendly. Uh, and during Nick's playing career, whenever I was on the road, Nick would and I and we were playing a team that Nick played for. He would always invite me out to dinner after the game in Washington uh, with his uh, roommate Steve Leach in Hartford. Uh, and New York, when he was with the Rangers and won a Stanley Cup, and of course in Toronto. And when he came to Sportsnet, our boss at the time, who shall remain nameless because I don't want to drag his family through the mud, this this guy hated Kiprios and he hated me. This guy did not. Scott Moore had hired this guy. The guy knew nothing about sports. I don't know how he got hired. He knew nothing except for English soccer. And he wanted Sportsnet to be just like TSN. And that's the last thing you want to do. The you know TSN's been around had been around for. Uh, at least a decade at this time, maybe fifteen. Longer, years, I think maybe fifty. Yeah, okay, early eighties, maybe mid eighties. I think TSN was eighty four. Okay, so okay, so this is fifteen years later, and you, the first thing he was thinking of was, we want to be just like TSN. And I was like, no, we don't want to be like TSN. We'll be different, so people will tune us in. If we're just like TSN, we won't be as good. This was the problem. Plus, he knew nothing about hockey, football, baseball. knew nothing. He was a soccer, an English soccer guy. Terrible. Ah, just thinking about it. And he says to me after maybe three or four days, he goes, "You know this Kiprios guy." He's terrible. He's awful. Because this this guy did not hire Kiprios. I think Scott Moore did. He's awful. He's terrible. I got to find a way to get rid of this guy. And I'm going no no no. He's 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 good. He's raw. But let him do his thing. No no. He's got to be a panelist like the TSN guys. Oh God, it was awful. And he wanted to fire Kipper. He wanted badly to fire. And Kipper knew this. He I think he even said to Kiprios, "You suck." Like to his face, you know, you're no good. You know, get out of this business. You're just a hockey, you know, former hockey player. You're a hump. Right. And Kipper is ready to leave. He's ready to, like, you know, I don't, what do I need this for? And I'm saying to him, hang in there. Hang in there. This guy will be gone. You just hang, keep your nose clean, you know, go in the straight and narrow, learn as much as you can. And he did. And he gradually got better and better. He couldn't have gotten worse because he had no experience, but he couldn't <laughs> have, He got better and better and better. He worked at the craft. He worked at it. And let me tell you something um, these were the days where, cell phones were, um, we had had cell phones for a few years, but the idea of grabbing, whipping your phone out and, you know, making a quick call or Twitter, like Twitter hadn't been invented yet. Right. Uh, So it was different in those days, but eventually what happened was Nick's contacts. And the reason he had good contacts was he's a good guy. He never burned any bridges as you saw here with this announcement. He had excellent contacts amongst players, coaches, and management. Mm -hmm. Because of that, because every time he was traded or left, never, never a problem. And so he could call on these contacts. And that's why, of course, the famous one that got him over the top was he was the one who had the news that Phil Kessel was being traded to the Leafs, which was in what, 06? 08?
1: Uh, yeah, the locket was 2005 was the locket. Anyway,
0: whatever yeah. that was, that's a long time ago. That's what made Nick. But prior to that, he was a hardworking, and, and remember, he had no journalistic background at all. He was a reporter. He learned. He understood that you can't just go. you gotta get a, uh, You got to get a solid source for your information, right? And so he wasn't just saying, well, I think this is going to happen or that trade might happen or whatever. He had good sources, and, you know, <clears throat> he was a go-to guy. So I'm convincing him. I, and he might have been offered a job at DSN. I don't know. It's possible. I don't think so at the time because he was still pretty raw. But this guy, who was our boss, was on his case All like, You suck, Kiprios, and you're awful. And he's going, what do I need this for? And I'm going, just hang in there. This guy won't last because he just, he's upsetting the apple cart. He won't last. Well, I was right. The problem was that I got fired, right, about a year later. Right. Jody, and then, Jody Vance <clears throat> took the job. Uh, Jody Vance took over. That's right. She was doing the morning show, and she took over the 6 o'clock thing. Uh, and then this particular guy who had fired me, he got his ass kicked out, and Nick survived, and not only did he survive, after that guy left, he flourished. He right. was allowed to be himself, and he lasted 20-odd years. So I had something to do with keeping him there because he was ready to just jump ship. He's like, what do I need this for? Like, can you imagine going into work and your boss looks you in the eye and says, you suck. You're never going to be a broadcaster. You're terrible. <clears throat> so I give Nick a lot of credit for that. Um, I a lot can't, of credit for. You I can only take this. credit for saying, just hang in there. Hang in, there. and if ever there was a guy to hang in there, it would be Nick Keprios. As a player, he was undrafted as a junior. He hung in there. He, you know, he made a career for himself. Yeah, a short-lived career, and as a broadcaster, his career was a uh, pretty darn good. Where he's going from here, I, you know, how many choices does someone have? T- TSN, I doubt, is going to go after Nick Kiprios. And where else is there to go? There's rumors that he might go to the States somewhere. I see Darren Millard got a job with the uh, Las Vegas Golden Knights after being out of the business for a couple of years or so.
1: Yeah, he's <laughs> gone to Vegas, but the, the uh, there will be some jobs. Uh, I don't know. There'll be a few jobs in Seattle.
0: Yeah, but I'm not sure that, I, I don't know, if he wants to leave Toronto. He's from here family from here and all that kind of But he's not
1: he, he can kind of uh take his time and call a shot yeah. here because he's <clears throat> i believe he's done well for himself as a former NHLer and a 21 so, year
0: but still <clears throat> you want to have things to do you want to have things if you're used to going to work every day and you're used to it uh, it's got to be very very difficult uh anyway so 20 years later he's gone 53 years old um, yeah, and probably making some nice cake because Rogers did spend 5.2 billion, so they must have given him some nice money. Here's my question though, Mike. Would yeah. Kipper, would Doug McClain, Kipper, John Shannon, all these others, would they still be at Sportsnet were it not for Don Cherry's fat contract? I say no. I
1: say they were gonna be <laughs> gone anyway. I no think they're what. in some some hardcore cost cutting mode here. You know, essentially this is four years into the deal now, if my math is right, I think. So they've got eight years left to kind of cut their. To to increase revenues, the only way to do that is to... No, I don't think it's uh, a... No, no, I think you're more than that in. I think you're more
0: than that in. I think it's... uh, Let me think about it. I think it's 2025, 2026 is when the contract ends. So what's that, six years from now? I think they're halfway through. Okay,
1: so they're halfway through. So now it's time to, you know, reduce reduce the cost of broadcasting these games. The eyeballs will still be there because the games are the games are the games. And then they can uh, increase revenues that way.
0: So I mentioned the names of all those people, all those old white guys uh, that got... um, released weren't renewed whatever it was i feel sorry for anyone that's working there now because they got to be looking over their shoulders and despite losing the nhl rights a few years ago the folks at tsn are fine no one at tsn has been let go no nobody has lost their job at tsn that i know of do you uh no okay not that i know of so zero at tsn and uh, i don't know a dozen or more and all the off-air people On the radio side, on the TV side, on the uh, Sportsnet magazine folded its tent, on the digital side. That's a lot of people, a lot of talented people. And the ones that still remain cannot be feeling too great about their jobs. Um, And like I said, older white men who are making six figures plus are going to become an endangered species in sports broadcasting.
1: Now, don't forget Peter Gross, uh, often overlooked here. He was working for a Rogers property doing sports for 680 News. He's gone too. Now, you keep saying the old white guy thing. I need to just follow up on that, which is... A, a phrase I think I coined, I don't know, it came to me yesterday and I What's tweeted that? it. Uh, this I don't believe, I don't believe this is ageism. I believe this is wageism.
0: Well, it's a combination of both because you're right. You said it yourself. The old white guys are the ones who are making a lot of money. But a lot of people are making a lot of money there. So if you were to take the contracts of the guys I mentioned, if you were to take what McCowan was making, what Kiprios was making, what McClain was making, what Jerry Howarth was making, go back a few years. Mm-hmm. You're talking about some big, big names. And the You're replacements. Well uh, into six figures. The repla- It's safe to assume. With- seven figures maybe. Right. That's Cherry for sure, well over seven figures. Is that right? Oh, Cherry's got to be making over a million a year. Come on.
1: All those years? You know, Grape Line was canceled too. So it's a <laughs> well, that's right. With uh, Brian Williams. Which a, a little side note on that is this, which is Brian Williams has been for a very long time, has been uh, a member of TSN. It's kind of amazing that Brian yeah. Williams was on the Fan 590 every morning. Uh, for so many years, considering he was a TSN. Personality. Well, that was done, but
0: that but that show had been on since Brian Williams was at the CBC.
1: Uh, no, I know, but still, kinda, kind of, kind of, in this day and age, it's kind of interesting that that slipped through the that, that was happening. But it's sad to see that end. That was like thirty something years. So.
0: Interesting. So, what's the future of sports broadcasting now? What is it? Lean and mean. Lean and mean. Young, uh, people of color, females,
1: diversity. I don't think people there's. Not white men are not going to become extinct in sports media. It's I think it'll be a better reflection of the uh, you know the country and cities uh, that the media is serving. I think it'll just reflect more the mm-hmm. city, sort of like the old city pulse days, right? City TV, you know, it reflected the people,
0: you know, yeah, visually, right? But also you're talking about other types of diversity, right? Uh, different sexuality, um, disabled people with disabilities. Remember when what's her name got uh, suspended for? <clears throat> making a remark about so oh, avery yeah yeah
1: and then uh, gordon Martineau <laughs> went to management and said we need to hire this woman she was at ctv newsnet or something that's and right. then she came over to city tv yeah avery Haynes, she's great
0: all right so um there's your sports broadcasting thing too bad about kipper and uh, the other guys um do
1: you think these are big lo- other than Kiprios, which is you know I, I think a lot of people like yourself would argue that's a pretty big loss but yeah. uh you know when you look back considering we knew they were in cost cutting mode and we saw the mccowan thing and we knew this would happen like, I'm not shocked by John Shannon. Like, in fact, I would have been shocked if he... I thought John Shannon was a likely target to be cut for cost-cutting purposes. Oh. And Doug McClain's, same boat. I think, <coughs> same thing. Kiprios, uh, I'm surprised <laughs> because he was a big personality there. But uh, probably, like you said, he had a big paycheck tied to his name. And uh, that made him expendable. Right. I, I don't know if we're done. Like, I have no idea if if... That's it, or if we'll hear about a couple more uh, casualties. But I will say it's good to see somebody like Darren Millard get a gig again, and that he's moving his whole family to Vegas, and he's going to be part of that, like the host of the broadcasts of the uh, Golden Knights over yeah, there. The a local broadcast, we won't
0: get to see that. The local broadcast,
1: no, we'll never People see. People in Vegas will get to see that.
0: Right. Okay, um, let's talk a little hockey uh, as well. Uh, brought to you by Titan Blades. T- go to TitanBlades.com. Uh, Bulletin, Mitch Marner, still unsigned. Film at 11. They don't have that anymore. Film at 11. Hmm. Uh, Good article by Jonas Siegel in The Athletic. If you don't read The Athletic, you know, and I'll pick it up every so often. I'll pick it up. It's not a newspaper. But uh, every so often, there's a a really good in-depth story. Uh, there's you know, some fine writers there. They never contacted me, but I understand that I, I, I demand too much money anyway. Um, but Jonas Siegel in the Athletic, who knows the Leafs and has followed them for a number of years, um, talks about you know how this is Mike Babcock's year, and if the Leafs don't get out of the first, never mind how they do in the regular season. If they don't get out of the first round, he's pretty much toast. And how the newcomers will fit in. You know, marlowe has gone, and Haynes, he's gone, and Kadri's gone, and Jake Gardner's gone, but he might come back. and Connor Brown is gone, and Nikita Zaitsev, ever gone, is gone. So, think about that. Think about those guys gone. And, and how do these other guys fit in? Tyson Berry, Alex Kerfoot, Cody Cece, Jordan Schmaltz, Ben Harper, Jason Spetza. All new to the team. You got Kapanen signed. You got Janssen signed. You got, of course, Big M- you know, Marner. Not yet. Matthews, he's in the fold. You got that Tavares kid who's pretty good as well. <laughs> right? You got some speed on that team. You got Nylander. So there's some talent on that squad, but if you can't get out of the first round with the the playoff system that they have where they got to beat the hell out of Boston or Tampa to get anywhere, they're going to be in trouble this year. What about Travis Dermott's Dermott's shoulder when it gets better? What about Zach Hyman's knee, who's going to be the backup goalie? But of all those things that he talks about and other things in this article, the number one thing that gets me more than anything is this desire for the Leafs to have a captain. This idea that if they don't go into the season with somebody wearing a frickin' C on their chest, that they have no direction, they're a rudderless boat. What's your take on that? That's uh, definitely an overrated
1: element of this. I think it's funny... I just talked to Lance uh, uh, Hornby about this exact topic, and it's like they're looking for Mark Messier to drop by. Like uh, he needs to see on his chest Mark Messier is going to be your leader in the in the clubhouse or whatever in the clubhouse. But uh, I don't think you need a captain. I think we can continue as uh, until until it's obvious. Like I don't know if and we have three candidates as you know, maybe more. But three, yeah.
0: Who are they? Who, okay. Tell me where the three okay. candidates are. You for could be captaincy. waiting
1: for. Here's my thought on this. First of all, Morgan <coughs> Riley is an obvious ca- ca- uh, candidate. Morgan Riley would make a great captain, in my Why? humble opinion. Why do you say that? He seems to have a, uh, at least in the last season. I know it was when he had when he was an alternate or whatever. That right. he uh, he's kind of become the spokesperson for the team, if you will. He sort of he sort of assumed the role of captaincy in the last season, in mm, my humble opinion. Really. Meanwhile you just uh, signed as an unrestricted free agent a captain in John Tavares who correct. who would be nobody would complain if John Tavares was made captain correct
0: after 1 year with the leafs okay he is now in a position where if you were going to name a captain, he would be not coming over from the Islanders, not knowing anybody, not having played a game for the Leafs. You don't make him captain, right? But then there's Austin Matthews. You might well, that's his, the guy they might, they might be waiting
1: for him to be ready to assume captaincy. So they could be just holding off until it's ready for Austin and then he can have it for a decade or whatever. So, I don't understand,
0: well, why, why would you wait? I mean, he's either a captain. You're either going to name a captain or you're not. But you're going to say to Austin, look, not this year, maybe next year. Not next year, maybe the year after that. What if Marner takes on a leadership role? What if he takes on a leadership role and all of a sudden Mitch Marner now? So it's now Marner. Maybe it's Matthews. Maybe it's Tavares. Maybe it's Morgan Riley. Maybe somebody else steps up on this team and says, I want to be the captain. I mean, making a, putting a C on the guys just doesn't make a difference at all. It's the most overrated thing in all of sports is being the captain of a, an
1: NHL team. Agreed. Thank Agreed. you. <clears throat> Agree hundred percent. All right. There's no rush
0: here. All right. So that's our hockey talk right there. We don't need we don't need we don't need a stinking captain. Leafs don't need a captain. Okay. It's made no difference at all. Not once can you say to me, he said if someone if they had a captain, they would advance past the first round of the playoffs. Or if they had a captain, this one, no means nothing. Andrew Luck was the kind of quarterback who loved being part of a big collision. He loved it. Okay. I remember on sports line when I was at CHCH. He was at Stanford, and we ran an, a highlight of him throwing an interception and then absolutely chasing the guy down and pulverizing him, the linebacker who had made the interception with an open uh, field hit that was bone-jarring. <clears throat> now, you're talking about a guy who was like 6'3", 230 or something like that, and he loved the hitting aspect of the game, and that's the irony here is that he was hit so many times, Andrew Luck, <clears throat> shoulder injuries, knee injuries, hip injuries, concussions, that he just couldn't take it anymore, that at the age of 29, he decided he didn't want to keep getting injured, being in pain, and then having to rehab over and over again, so he quit football at the age of 29. He loved a good hit. Sometimes people tell me that he would get sacked and he would get up and congratulate the defender who knocked him down. Good hit. He'd go, good, good hit. And what kind of a guy is that? A kind of a guy who... Loves the hitting aspect of football. And then in the prime of his career at the age of 29, um, decides, that's it, I can't do it anymore. That was a shocking decision. Shocking. Nobody saw that one coming. Nobody saw that one coming at all. His last game saw some of the Indianapolis Colts fans, and I use that term loosely, boo him as he left the field. And there was outrage across the country. How could you boo Andrew Luck? A wonderful citizen, an all-pro player. uh, Seemingly one of the nicest guys. Intelligent. Uh, you know, comes from good stock, uh, Stanford educated. But you know what? He's not the first and he won't be the last guy who prior to the age of 30, which they say 30 is that sort of magic number there where you're just coming into your prime. <clears throat> the best athletes have their best seasons usually around 30. They've been in the league for enough years, right? right? 30. And then yeah, that late 20s or, yeah. 28 30. to 32, yeah. that kind of a thing. So he's in his prime, but he just can't take it anymore. And, and right around the same time, Rob Gronkowski. 29 years old. I can't, I can't play football. I can't play anymore. It, I'm in too much pain. After that Super Bowl victory last year, he said he didn't sleep for weeks. He was in such pain, such discomfort, <clears throat> and
1: decided that was it. With so many players, hold on to get the ring, right? Like so, Gronkowski's He's got, got several. How yeah. many does he have? I can't, uh, can't keep I don't know. track I can't anymore. Keep track
0: either five. <laughs> He's got five. He's got enough.
1: Whereas you know, it's I think the Andrew Luck part of the surprise yeah. there is that he never he hasn't got the ring yet.
0: Yeah, but you know what? What is it worth it to play? You know, a sixteen game season, get knocked around in the hopes of maybe getting a Super Bowl ring, or how about coming? How about coming out of it? How about looking at other players? And going, do I want to be like that? Right. Do I want to be like that? Do I want to, you know, not be able to get out of bed when I'm in my 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s? I want to have a quality of life. He certainly, like you say, he certainly got the money.
1: He got out, I'd say. I I mean, I'm not a big fan of this league to begin with, but I think I don't have any uh, problems with him making that decision for himself. Who who could judge that? Exactly.
0: Um, A few years back, if you may recall, NBA star Brandon Roy of Portland uh, retired sat out a year and tried to come back before re-retiring at the age of 29. His knee injuries were just too severe. Patrick Willis, <clears throat> excuse me, five-time all-NFL linebacker, had injuries to his feet that were so painful, he retired at the age of 30. Five-time all-pro, retired at the age of 30. Uh, remember Megatron, Calvin Johnson, right? fine wide receiver for the Detroit Lions? Several good years left when he retired at the age of 30. Remember Bobby Orr? I've heard of him, yes. Now, he started when he was 18, but he was 31 right. when he was forced to retire. As a Blackhawk. As a Chicago, but that was sad. He was 31 years old, but his knees were twice as old after numerous knee surgeries. And also the, the idea that, come on, hurry back from those injuries. We need you, Bobby Orr. Right? He he. I mean, he should have missed you know, an entire season rehabbing with the knee injuries. But right. you know, go, go under the knife, you know, whoever the doctor was, fix that knee up again. And eventually he had like, no cartilage. And he, you know, and he has trouble walking, you know, and it's not going to get any easier for him. Bobby Orr is like 70 years old. But he looks like he's 50. Well, the hair. <laughs> I did. But still, he was 31, folks, 31. Imagine if Bobby Orr's knees weren't, you know, in that kind of shape. How many more years could he have played? How great could he have been? Bjorn Borg, age 26. Because he tired. wouldn't change rackets. Uh, <laughs> burned out. It might have been physical injuries too, but 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 he was in pain. He couldn't take it anymore.
1: Right. It but wasn't
0: fun anymore. He did try the comeback, I remember. <clears throat> he did. Because he, he did didn't want to go
1: later. to the fight or whatever. He was yeah, he did. His wooden but racket. still,
0: he basically said that's it for competitive tennis at the age of 26, having won all those wow. you know, events, uh, those majors. Sandy Koufax, Barry Sanders, Jim Brown, Hall of Famers all, all retired at the peak of their games around the age of 30. So Andrew Luck is no dummy. He knows the human body can only take so much pain. My only question is this, will he get bored in retirement and try to make a comeback like so many before him? Like, it's easy to say, I'm retiring. But to me, if you say, I'm retiring, that means you can't come back. You can say, I want to take a hiatus. I'm taking a year off. I'm going to rehab my injuries. I'm going to reevaluate it a year from now. But you can't use the R word and then come back. Why so many rules? <clears throat> Why the heck Because not? If, if I retire and I get my pension, I can't go to them and say, oh, do me a favor, hold off the pension. I want to go back. You can't do that. So okay. retirement is permanent. Look it up. Retirement. Hey, I'm, did Mario Lemieux retire? Yes, he did. I shed more tears during that retirement. I was I was in tears. I mean that was sad. The guy had to retire because he had cancer. That's it. Not 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 No, he not. retired because of I don't think he retired because of the cancer. I think he came back from that.
1: And remember he caught Pat Lafontaine for the squeinty. Like he came back from the cancer. I think he had uh he was aches and pains and it was a uh, knees maybe and back and stuff bothering him. Like, I, I believe, I don't believe it was the cancer that mm. caused the retirement, as I recall. Because mm. I remember that amazing comeback mm. he, when he uh, caught LaFontaine yes. for the scoring title.
0: but the comeback, though, was after he was declared cancer-free, correct? Correct. Okay. But he wasn't retired till after that. Yeah, I don't know about that. Okay. I'm not sure. All we'll I know is ahead. I remember just crying, bawling my eyes out, and then you know a couple of years later, he's cancer-free. And he decides he wants to make a comeback, and I remember saying, "Wait a minute, can I get those tears back? Can I get those two days of awful feeling, terrible and horrible? And can, can we? Can I? Can we take back oh. that all those um, video tributes for Mario Lemieux and all the speeches? Can right. we take the speeches back with the tears? <laughs> no, because he's unretired.
1: No, a couple of MJ's too. Uh, of course, Magic Johnson retired. Because he was HIV positive. Right. And he made a comeback, as right. you recall. And Michael Jordan retired.
0: Yeah, but his comeback wasn't very good. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> different. It was kind of different. The right? Jordan one? But we're talking about guys who retired and got bored and said, maybe I shouldn't have retired. Maybe not, I shouldn't have retired. What about retire? Michael Jordan? No? Did he not get bored in retirement? He, he,
1: well, he was playing baseball, but he probably. No, no, no. He's playing. Playing, no,
0: no that's different. He played baseball, came back. That's, that, he didn't retire. I mean, okay. he, he retired from basketball in order to play baseball. I'm talking about retiring because of your gut injuries. And you can't play anymore. That's the type of retirement I'm talking about. You're done, right? I'm done. I'm injured. I can't play the game at the high level that people are used to seeing. Did Brett Favre
1: retire and come back? Oh yeah, many times.
0: Yeah, many (laughs) times. That's true. All right. So will he get bored in retirement? Will Andrew Luck try to make a comeback? The Colts think so because they left 25 million on the table. They didn't take back 25 million of his salary because they believe that he's going to get bored after a year or two and get up in the morning and go, "Where's football? Well, what am I going to do?" And he's going to want to have a job and, and he's still going to be 31 or 30 or whatever it is and probably still be an effective player that's what happens when people retire when they're not ready to retire you got to have something else to do now he's a smart enough guy his father by the way is uh, oliver luck is the president of the xfl uh and in actual fact was an owner of the uh houston franchise of the um of mls soccer so you're talking about smart guys. You're talking about a guy that's got a degree. You're he not going to have any tag days anyway. Right. But he, he could probably find lots of things to do that could fulfill his life. But still, still, people are going to go, hey, maybe Andrew, maybe Andrew Luck will come back. Maybe in a couple yeah, of years. Yeah, maybe when he's feeling better. Maybe after when he's you. feeling better. Yeah. So if you're going to say retire, then uh, don't, you can't <laughs> come back. That's my thing. Uh, let's go to tennis now. Denis Shapovalov and Bianca Andreescu both advanced to the third round of the U.S. Open yesterday. Shapo took care of Henry Laxonen of Switzerland, six four seven six six two. He gets Francis Gael Monfils in the third round. Note to uh, uh, whoever the Sportsnet uh, tennis commentator was that called him um, Monfil or something like that. It's Monfils, Monfils, Gael Monfils, okay? Please learn how To pronounce the name, uh, and this isn't some hump that's never played before, he's been around for years. It's Gail Monfils, M O N F I L S, Fees. Okay, son. Uh, I thought I'd get that out of my system. Andrescu hmm. knocked off the Belgian Kristen Flipkins, 6375. Remember, uh, Bianca Andrescu has not lost to a top 10 player this year, she's wow. gone 7 0, and she's won two tournaments already this year. She won at Indian Wells in California, and she won the Rodgers. Uh, she gets the 19 seed Caroline Wozniacki in the third round, who she's already beaten uh, yeah. uh, this year.
1: TSN's got the uh, tennis. Yeah. TSN Sportsnet.
0: No, 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 no. Sportsnet had the Rogers oh. Cup. Okay. okay,
1: that was Jake it, Gold chiming in on uh, Periscope.
0: But okay, <laughs> Jake's on his way to the U.S. Open. Oh, nice. Yeah, he's going tonight. I think he's going to go tonight to see. Uh, I don't know who's play Whoever's playing tonight, they. You know what? The other thing too is, and whenever they have rain, the schedule gets all screwed up and they have to pile on, you know, the next, oh, geez, these were all rained out. So there's just tons of events. But today, Federer's on like, at, like, noon <clears throat> instead of in the evening. Like, at noon. Like, come on. How many people are going to draw at noon on a Friday? <laughs> you know, make them the match. Um, anyway, so, so uh, she gets the 19th seat, Caroline Wozniacki. Um There's early talk, Mike, that Bianca Andrescu and the golfer Brooke Henderson are neck and neck for the Canadian Athlete of the Year Award. I'm not going to mention the name of the hump that they uh, name it after, the racist guy who used to be with the star. But, uh, you know, it's a CP Athlete of the Year. If you wanted to do that, you could say uh, female or male. But, Andreascu and Brooke Henderson, but people in baseball are talking about Atlanta Braves pitcher, 22-year-old Mike Soroka, should be in the running as well. Now, it's August, okay? It's August. The problem with the Athlete of the Year is it's for the calendar year. Right. And the hockey season and the basketball seasons are split. So unless somebody has a phenomenal first half of the hockey or basketball season leading up into December, none of the whoever those guys are, are considered. Like, what if Marner signs and scores fifty goals by Christmas? Would he be in the running? Or, or is it okay? Brooke Henderson's won two events in golf, and uh, Andreescu's won two events in tennis, and, uh, and Soroka was in the running for the Cy Young Award. I mean, it's way too early. I hate hearing this. I can't stand it. If she wins, she's going to be a favorite for the you know, whatever trophy as Canada's finest athlete. You're taking a calendar year. A calendar year for tennis, a calendar year for golf is very different than hockey or football, or not, not football, but hockey and basketball. So you're basically eliminating any hockey player because you've got to say, well, what did he do in 2019? Well, starting in January, he did, like the St. Louis Blues could still be the team of the year, right? Even though they only, because what they did from January until June of 2019 would be enough for them to be the team of the year. Raptors of course, are team of the year. But of course, wait, but of course, that's right. But of course, the <laughs> Raptors from January to June and, and the Raptors are a Canadian team and the St. Louis Blues are not a Canadian team. So, Slam dunk, so who would the say. Raptors be up against? Like if the Raptors hadn't won the title, who would the team of the year be? Well, we don't know because if, we'd have to wait until the end of the year. And it, could you, if the Leafs had a great first half of the season. Could you say the Leafs were the team of the year in 2019? Of course not, because they didn't win a championship that was in the early part of the year. It's like when they do the Academy Awards. It's always the movies that had just come out that get the biggest pump. It just came out. But that's why they just But a movie from October... Right. Who's going to remember? Who's going to remember a movie from the summertime when it comes when the Academy Awards come in like April or whatever it is? Uh, March. I remember
1: Fargo though did come out like before the summer, and it still yeah, uh, it did. Yeah. did that it was be- a rare exception. Who did it though? beat out that year?
0: Can't remember. Do you? No, not <laughs> no. All. Uh, all I right. love Fargo by the way. So right. let's go back to tennis. When you just had back surgery in January and you're ranked 216th in the world, and no one expects you to do well at the U.S. Open, what happens? your 29-year-old Vasek Pospisil. You upset the number nine seed Karol Kachanov in the opening round in five sets. took nearly four hours. And yesterday, you give it a good try, but you lose in four sets to a tennis player named Tennis Sandgren of the United States. T-E-N-Y-S, Tennis Sandgren. Good name. It was only the fourth match that Pospisil had played this season. And you know what? Great to see him fully recovered. It was exciting. He didn't quite have it. If he has a serve going, he's a hell of a player. But you know what? Here's a guy to watch. He's been injured. He's a... Was a terrific doubles player um, and singles. He's got his work cut out for him. But, he, but just to see him win the opening round match to knock off a ninth seed was very exciting. I, and I, I like. It. He's a, apparently a very nice guy too. I've never met him, but from all accounts, he's a nice fellow.
1: Should we be uh, worried about Felix or not worried? Nah, I don't worry about it. Felix. It. I think
0: he's just got a thing with uh, Dennis, where Dennis has got his number. There's something about that because he looked just awful. They'll be fine. 15-year-old Coco Goff of the United States is the new darling of the U.S. Open. She came from behind to win her first-round match and won a thrilling three-setter last night at the Louis Armstrong Stadium to move into the third round. She's really she's 15 years old. 15! Very emotional, very passionate, and I love seeing that. And she's the youngest woman to make it to the third round of the U.S. Open since Anna Kornikova. In 1996. Where Remember are they now? <laughs> Next up for Coco, the number one seed in the tournament, Naomi Osaka, who's the defending champion. Meanwhile, 23-year-old American Taylor Townsend, ranked 116th in the world, upset the number four seed, Simona Halep. Americans Sloane Stephens and Madison Keys are still alive, as is the GOAT, Serena Williams, who seems to be over the injuries that forced her to retire in <laughs> Toronto and withdraw from Cincinnati. Not mm. going to say anything more about Serena. You know where I stand with Serena. You and, don't uh, want another suspension, boy. I got a lot. No, but I got a lot of feedback, and still lots of that. That episode, I think that's one twenty-one. Uh, episode one twenty-one got more hits than any of them. What's Hebsher saying about Serena? She's the great. How could he say? that? Remember, I was there. They want to hear was what there. guy you suspended. Paid, paid big, paid big, big money for. It. No, I was one one twenty-six. That's the Serena one. One twenty-six. One twenty-one was the was when we talked about Scott MacArthur and and um, and uh, diversity and and all that stuff. That was a good one, too.
1: They're all good ones, Hebsey. Thanks.
0: Let's talk some golf now. And as you know, I play quite often at Crosswinds in Burlington. Played there Wednesday, and I'm playing again tomorrow. It's just 45 minutes from my home in downtown Toronto in Burlington. The course is always in great shape. We always get around in less than four and a half hours. If you play public golf, you know there's nothing worse than playing. It's like a five, six-hour round where the guys in front of you are smoking weed and they're not fixing their divots and they're <laughs> taking extra shots and plumb bobbing two foot pots. Aye, it's terrible. You won't have that at Crosswinds. I had a great lunch there the other day, the special penne pasta, while overlooking the 10th tee and the 18th hole mm. with uh, Mount Nemo in the background there and over there, Battlesnake Point. I highly recommend Crosswinds. The people there are awesome, very helpful, not pushy at all like at some clubs. Five sets of tees for varying levels of golfers. And, of course, the spectacular views of Mount Nemo and Rattlesnake Point, which I just mentioned, and so I'm reiterating myself, so I'm I'm talking too long about this. Go to CrosswindsGolf.com, book your tee time, check out their numerous specials and their fabulous banquet and wedding facilities. And if you hear somebody going, Far! It's me. I missed (laughs) the fairway again. Uh, Brooke Henderson of 567. She's tied for 12th after the opening round of the Portland Open, which she won last year. Uh, Brooke has won two tourneys this year, as I mentioned, over $1.2 million in earnings. She's got nine top tens this year, including a tie for third at the Canadian Open. Will she win the (laughs) award? Nope.
1: Probably Bianca's got it. (laughs) She's got it. Well, well, not for slam dunk yet, because things could happen. But uh, I know. What, what was Bianca ranked coming into 2019 versus oh, yeah, what no. she'll be ranked when 2019 ends? No, I, I agree. I unbelievable. Agree yeah, that's unbelievable.
0: What if Mike Sirocco I didn't know her Iowa. name coming into 2019. No, I told you about her. <laughs> yeah, Don't you yeah, yeah, of course. I, the Auckland England. stuff was happening. That's was right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, on the men's side, Corey Connors was the only Canadian to make the season-ending tour championship in the PGA Tour, which ended uh, last Sunday. In 28 events this year, he had four top 10 finishes and earned nearly $3 million dollars on the course. He finished 26th in the FedEx Cup standings. Uh, and by getting into that final event of the season, he earned an automatic berth into next year's Masters, U.S. Open, and British Open. He's hoping to make the international squad at the President's Cup this year as a captain's pick by Coach Ernie Ells. The PGA tour season um, well the 2019-2020 season starts at the Greenbrier September 12th. Connors will be one of six Canadians with full PGA Tour status. Remember when it, there'd be like one or two guys, Disco Dick Zockel, Dan Hollison, right. Dave Barr. Yeah, right? Dave Barr, right. Right, and then Mike Weir came along, and he was like pretty much the only guy for a number of years. Well, there's six now. And they include, uh, uh, besides the aforementioned Corey Connors, Adam Hadwin and Nick Taylor of Abbotsford, B.C., Mackenzie Hughes of Dundas, Ontario, Roger Sloan of Merritt, B.C., and Michael Glejic of Burlington. i David Hearn of Brantford, Adam Svenson of Surrey, B.C., and Ben Silverman of Thornhill have partial PGA status, and it's expected Graham DeLette of Weyburn, Saskatchewan, will return from taking all last year off due to injury.
1: I flew out of the Abbotsford Airport last year. How was that? Uh, it's much smaller than uh, you're used to, which is great. It was fantastic because it was not very busy, and yeah. you get through security nice and fast.
0: It's great. Yeah, security, but you're flying in Canada. <laughs> so, so You much, still have to go through security. How much security is there?
1: The same. Well, the plane security, you know. Did you or,
0: have to? Did, you, did they make you bend over? Was it a, a full body <laughs> cavity
1: search? There's still security. You got to take that laptop out of the bag or whatever. I know. But yeah. also, um, yeah. the name Roger Sloan. Every time I hear it, I think he's a member, a cast member on Mad Men. It sounds like it a, does a sound like Mad Men. Yeah. Roger Sloan.
0: Roger. Yeah, exactly right. Very good. Um, Blue Jays host Houston tonight in the first of three at the Dome. They were off yesterday. Um, they're going to call up a bunch of players on September first, which is Monday. Uh, by the way, we will have a show Labor Day Monday morning. Okay? Labor Day Monday morning. Uh, who's coming up on the Jays? Who, who are they going to call up? I would think Anthony Kay, the left-handed pitcher pitching in Buffalo, who uh, came over in the Marcus Stroman deal. He's been excellent with the Bisons. I would say uh, a hard no to Nate Pearson coming up. I don't want to see him up yet. It's too early. Don't rush him. Uh, as for the other pitching prospects, maybe TJ Zoich, the man who threw the no-hitter. And a few other will, uh, others will get a look on this squad because we're looking, uh, we're looking forward. We're looking forward to the next we year. We need year some arms. That. We definitely do. Now, the other pitchers in the organization are a few years away, but things are looking very good when it comes to guys like Alec Manoa, Adam Kloffenstein who I saw pitch for the Vancouver Canadians, Big guy. Tough-looking guy. Simeon Woods Richardson, all of 18 years old. Uh, Eric Pardino. And, of course, Nate Pearson. So, Jays fans are excited about the future. Here's the thing. We got some pitching prospects. We got, uh, we got infielders. We don't have outfielders. We really don't. We got Goriel Jr. Teoscar, the uh, people are, are not convinced yet that Teoscar Hernandez is an everyday center fielder in the majors. Randall Grichuk signed that nice contract extension earlier right. this year when <laughs> Kevin Pillar was traded. Don't know. Still puzzling that contract. It is. Still and and you know you like you, the
1: Jeff Finger contract that Jeff uh, Finger that's right? a good one. Did he I'm wear, still wondering? Did about he the wear Jeff number finger eleven contract? for the
0: Leafs? Was he Finger eleven for the Leafs? No, Tarny oh Rainbow
1: Butt Monkeys from
0: Burlington. Right, Finger uh-huh. eleven, right? But yeah. then you think that Jeff Finger should have worn number eleven. That's a whole other story. Yes, that's a whole other story. Okay, <laughs> so did you see the game the other night, the Jays game the other night, where there's a pop fly hit and a guy in the front row, right? You know those seats they're not covered by the netting, they're right? But just past the edge of the dugout. So the guy's in the front row. He's wearing a Vladdy Guerrero Jr. jersey. There's a pop-up. It's going to land. It looks like it's going to land right in the first row. Okay? You, you're in the first row. You stand up. Here comes the ball. Are you going to say... Are you going to look over while you're looking up at this ball that might hit you, that you might catch? Are you going to look over to Vladdy Guerrero to see if he's going to catch it? Are you going to get out of his way so that he can catch it? Or is your instinct going to be, this ball is going to land right in my lap? He's in the first row? He's in the first row. You need to be aware of whether the player can get that ball or not in okay. the first row. So whose job is that? Do they, does the usher come down? Do they say, no, you people in the first row. If the ball is hit and the Blue Jays are in the field, Get the hell out of the way. Make sure that that player has every opportunity to catch that ball because we need that out. Or in the heat of the moment, and you're on your third Stella Artois, which are 13 bucks a pop or whatever it is there, and you see a ball coming towards you, is your instinct not to go, shit, this ball might hit me. I better protect myself. And if you happen, and I saw the replay of it, if you happen to lean eight inches out over the imaginary barrier the there plane. that except the playing field right right and you touch the ball and you prevent vladdy from catching it so what happened was originally this guy tries to make the catch he doesn't everyone's booing the guy you know i'm like ah oh, you idiot what are you doing and then i realized what would i have done like if that ball's hit at me, am I gonna do I have the wherewithal to look away from the ball, look over to Vlad and you go, You got room, Vlad, you got room. And what am I gonna do? I'm gonna jump over my seat, I'm gonna get out of the way, I'm gonna put my hands over my head, I'm gonna lean back as far as I can and hope it doesn't hit me. Or I'm going to look and I'm going to go, oh, no, I've got, I can lean forward four and a half inches and still be, not be in the, playing, the field of play. My fingernails might be. Anyway, what happened was they right. reversed the call. The call was originally no play. And then they, were, they looked at the replay and they said, nope. He, the guy, his hands were over that imaginary line into the field of play. They reversed the call. They called the hitter out. And then as soon as they did that, they ejected the guy. Because yes. had, had, that not, had that call not been reversed, they wouldn't have ejected him because he didn't do anything wrong. Right. But once they determined that he was encroaching on the field of play and that it was an out, uh-huh. now they eject the guy. Now, I mean, there are certain people, fans, that should be ejected. And then there's others that, come on. Well Mike? What would you have done? The ball's okay, hurtling at you. Is it you're uh, in the front row? Are you going to go? Oh, I better back off and let Flatty catch it. Are you going to th- try <laughs> to protect the person sitting? Let's say your wife is sitting next to you. Yeah, and it might land on her head. Are you going to go? Whoa! I better get in the way of this.
1: It's one of those things you got to be in the in the scenario to know exactly what you do. Like you'd have to be there to know exactly how you. You could, you'd you could be say acting. that you would get out of the way, but I, I feel think like if that ball situation, hits you, I would. Uh, Wait till I would give the uh, Vlad the opportunity to catch it. But right? how would
0: you do that, though? Would you have the wherewithal to look over and say, you got room, Vlad, I'll get out of the way, and then look up and find the ball again?
1: But let me just say this uh, as a Jays fan. Uh, Jays are going nowhere this year, so no one gives a rat's ass. But if this was like the Steve Bartman situation, That's right, That's, That's, That's that'll be different. But I,
0: I watched it at first, and I kind of went, okay, you know what? Maybe in this case here, the guy isn't a jerk. Right, he wasn't leaning way, way out over and but interfering. But he did break the plane, as he, they say he in the broke NFL. The plane. And again, if you're sitting in the front row, you've got to understand that if you lean this way, you're. On. But I looked at the replay a number of times, and I'm thinking, man,
1: I don't know this guy. Maybe he <laughs> maybe was six inches,
0: right? And and like it, it's not like he reached way over. You know, like he's got a long arm span, and he reached right. way over and interfered with Vladdy. It, it looked like he was protecting himself more than any. It was like self preservation. Anyway, he got kicked out of the game. Um, Ken Jennings. Was a guy who was on a game show called Jeopardy. You all know about the show. It's hosted by Canadian Alex Trebek. And Ken Jennings was like the superstar, unbeaten for the longest time. He was like, you know, a legendary Jeopardy contestant. But he was he's just a game show contestant. Okay? He might be the smartest guy in the world. Probably the most famous Maybe the F- Jeopardy game show yeah, contestant. Yeah, the most famous. But still, the guy's a goof. Okay? You, you can't take away from the fact that people like that are nerds. And they're socially inept. And when you're on social media and you're the Jeopardy champion and people have been going, oh, Ken Jennings is the great. I love Ken Jennings. So he's terrific. I can't wait to watch Ken Jennings. He's so smart. I want me. I want my daughter to marry Ken Jennings. Blah, 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 Ken Jennings. <laughs> he's a freaking game show contestant from Seattle, Washington. So what does he tweet? He tweets the other day, quote, come get your 20,000 shit-faced transplants named Gord we're tired of them. That's a great tweet. Now, this is, this is while the Jays are in Seattle for a series, and, and like more than half the fans, like three-quarters, are all from Canada rooting for the Jays. But this was a tweet that he tweeted after, after the ultimate diss, which was the day before, where he tweets, quote, My favorite summer thing in Seattle is when 20,000 surprisingly awful Canadians drive down to watch a Blue Jays game, and then the Mariners win. So he's dissing an entire country. Okay, and Jays fans, but also an entire country, an entire country, twenty thousand surprisingly awful Canadians. <laughs> yeah. What the
1: hell? But don't you like it? Don't you like to be roasted? Like I love it. Like I think. Why? I just think it's hilarious. I don't know. For some reason, I love this. Uh, it seems to, I'm taking it as pretty good humor jab. Like it's almost so over the top. I think he's just um, playing a character, almost like just seeing if he can rile us up. He's what? trolling us, and I think it's to what? me. I personally like to be roasted like somebody make fun of the way i but enunciate or whatever uh
0: i think that's great you like, labor un, you labor under the misconception that ken jennings is a comedian that he's that that, <laughs> that he's a stand-up comedian he's jeff ross right or he's he's a, a stand-up comedian <laughs> right. who we're used gilbert to. gilbert godfrey yeah gilbert godfrey we're used to tweets from comedians <laughs> professional comedians right i don't believe ken jennings is a professional comedian this is the difference if it's a comedian that's used to roasting people that you're used to hearing him cut up people Right Th- then, I'm okay with it because you know that he's a comedian. He's looking right. for a laugh. I don't think Ken Jennings was necessarily looking for a laugh here. I think he was drunk on some of that uh, some of that craft beer but that they brew really in Seattle. We need the
1: uh, Gord one one more time. Yeah.
0: Just First fast. of all, is this not a shot at the <laughs> tragically hip and Gordon Lightfoot and Gordon Pinsent <laughs> and Gord Sin- Sinclair? No, and- not forget Gordon. He does no. But think about this. Come get your twenty thousand shit faced transplants named Gord. We're tired of them. That is a shot. That's a tragically hip shot for sure because 40% of the tragically hip was named Gord. That's Very tra- high Gord right. factor. You're right. And Gordon Lightfoot. And, yeah. and the Bare naked Lady song, Gordon.
1: No, the album was called Gordon. Gordon. There you go. Right.
0: So how about that? Named after Steve Simmons' uncle. Yeah. Cool. So ma- yeah. Major, major diss. By Ken frickin' Jennings. Don't forget Stellick, uh, f- former uh, assistant <laughs> general
1: manager of the New York well, Rangers. about Gord
0: Pinson? Let's get every <laughs> Gord, okay? I use the Gords I but know. All right. They,
1: but I will say this yeah. about the Gords, because even the mascot for the Toronto Wolfpack is named Gord. I will say this. Well, oh, I'm
0: sure that's why Ken Jennings tweeted that out, because the Toronto mascot for the There Wolfpack are only mascot.
1: two famous Gords, not Canadian, okay? Gordon from Sesame Street and Gordon Shumway, which was the name of uh, Alf no. on this sitcom, Alf.
0: No, come on now. Come on, there's way more, way more Gordons, famous Gordons. If you can think of any, let us know. That'll do it for episode number 129 of Hebsey on Sports. Thanks to Toronto Mike for production and inspiration. Thanks to our sponsors, Crosswinds Golf and Country Club in Burlington. That's crosswindsgolf.com. And Tieden Performance Blades, TiedenBlades.com, T-Y-D-A-N, Blades.com. We'll have a show on Labor Day. Yes, we will. Labor, L-A-B-O-U-R Day, Labor Day. Uh, They spell it differently in the States, but it's the same kind of thing. Look for us at 9.20 a.m. Eastern Time. 9.20 a.m., our usual time, on Monday morning, Labor Day. Uh, Catch us on Periscope. You can watch the replay, or you can watch us live. And the podcast, as always, you can go to Hebseyonsports.com. You can subscribe to both for free. For free, ladies and gentlemen. And you can get the best in passionate, unfiltered sports talk. Uh, We'll have the podcast up before 11 a.m. on Monday, Mike. Yes. How about that? So you got the whole Holiday Monday to listen. And don't forget my new book, The Greatest Athlete You've Never Heard of, available where fine books are sold, makes a great Labor Day gift. You don't give away Labor Day gifts in your family? (laughs) Oh, we do. (laughs) We should. It's a big, big, big gift day for sure. Thanks for allowing us into your headspace. Back with another edition on Labor Day morning. Until then, so long for now.